0: Well, in this series that we're kicking off, uh, Upon This Rock, I want to begin with the premise of this series because it comes from a passage of scripture in the New Testament where Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. It's his triumphal entry. He's riding on a colt. And you might be familiar with this story if you've read your Bible before. or Maybe you've been to church on like a Palm Sunday where Jesus is coming in and, and the crowds of people are waving palm branches and they're, they're shouting Hosanna, they're shouting glory, save us, Jesus. And around these people were some Pharisees. And Pharisees were this group of people that did not recognize Jesus as God. They did not recognize him as the Messiah. And see, in this time, praise was only supposed to go to God. And so they see these people praising Jesus and shouting these things and they speak up and they say, Jesus, are you going to do something about this? Like tell these people to stop, rebuke them. And Jesus speaks up. I want to read it to you. It's not the main text, but it's the premise of the series in Luke 19, verse 40. Jesus said to these Pharisees, I tell you that if these people did not speak, the very stones would call out. And it got me thinking about all of the times in Scripture, how all the details that the Bible gives us, there are so many stories and accounts in Scripture that happened in and around and about rocks. Like so many of the miracles in Scripture really took place either with a rock or by a rock or through a rock. And that's what we're gonna do in the series: is every week we're gonna look at one of these. Stories where Jesus said the rocks would cry out. Well, what would the rocks say? We're going to look at these rocks, these stones, to show us something for our faith. Every week in this series is going to be a rock show. You can finally tell your friends that. So you've been saying it anyways, but it's going to be a rock show. And we're, we're going to jump right in today. I, I always like to take the first week in a series to lay a foundation, to kind of set up all the stuff that we're going to cover. And Since we're in this season of ever unto Jesus, where he's the goal, he's the destination, he's the reason, since we're in this season of ever unto Jesus, I thought it'd be appropriate to look at something that Jesus said in the book of Matthew. So I wanna jump right in, Matthew chapter seven, if you want to follow along. and In Matthew seven, this is what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. For our first installment in this series, we're going to look at this rock that Jesus is talking about. And this rock is going to give us some constructive feedback today. That's the title of my sermon constructive feedback. Have you ever been given some constructive feedback? I gave some to my wife this week. It went really well. She received it. She said, thank you. This really helps me. Could you do that more? And I said, yes. And, um, and then she picked up a rock and threw it at me. So in this passage that we're looking at, it comes at the conclusion of a sermon. Some of you uh, maybe can relate to that. Have you ever walked into a sermon that's wrapping up? It happened today. We changed our service times. And, uh, you know, if you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus' most famous sermon. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is where you can read. I'd encourage you to, to check it out sometime because within this sermon, a lot of practical stuff for our life. He talks about prayer. He talks about our worries in life, he talks about our relationships, how we relate to others, how we treat others. He talks about our value systems and the cares of this life. And he gets through teaching everything in this sermon and he closes it with a principle that rocks their world. Because it says right after this, I don't know if we have it on the screen or not, but it says they were astonished at his teaching. Because they hadn't heard anybody talk like this before. So he did not teach like one of our teachers of the law. He teaches as someone with authority. And he closes it by giving them this picture. It's a picture of two builders, two houses, one storm, and two outcomes. Now, it's definitely sobering to think about what he says. But I want to break it down. On another level because there's something in this for us today and I don't know what it is but it seems like I just can't seem to get away from building I know we just wrapped up this series called built different and now you got a new series but the same subject we're talking about building but building is in the Bible I mean there's a lot the Bible says about building I think about Solomon in Ecclesiastes he said there is a time to build the book of Haggai, the prophet challenges the people. He says, you're not concerned with building God's house because you're too concerned with building your own house. One of my favorite passages in Nehemiah, I actually got a tattoo of this on my arm, this passage in Nehemiah, where it says they had a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other. Why? Because when you're building something, you have to keep fighting while you're building. You gotta keep fighting and you gotta keep building you got to fight for what God's given you, and you got to build for where he's placed you. So the the Bible has a lot to say about building, but maybe if you've grown up in church or been around church or you've read your Bible a little bit, when you heard the title of this series, your mind probably went to a different place in Matthew where Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now that happens actually a little bit later in Matthew. The first time Jesus talks about building on the rock is right here where we're reading in Matthew chapter 7. But we're not talking about building the church today. We're going to build the church. But first we got to build your life. We got to build your faith. And that's what this series is about, building your faith. So I want to read this verse again. Let's take a look at it. He's, verse 24, says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them on Instagram. Is that what it says? Oh, okay, let me try this again. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in a notebook. No, that's not it. Okay, let's try it one more time. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. You want to build strong, you want to build on the rock, you want to build something solid, you've got to put it into practice. It's going to take practice. This is where we can no longer just approach church like it's a checklist. We can't come to Sunday and have our hour of power where it's just music and a message and go home. If if church to you is just a spiritualized TED talk, you will not be building on the word. You are building on a wish. You've you've got to practice this. It kind of reminds me of my daughter, Pippa. She likes the stupidest game. And all the parents are going to relate to this. You, You know already. She likes this game, and and don't judge me, she likes this game called Roblox, and uh, all you you know, and I cannot understand why it costs me real money (laughs) to buy something that is a fairy tale. Like, I don't even know if it's about the game, and it's only like, I I get it, it's only like 99 cents at, at a time. But... When she is asking me five times a day, every day, it adds up. I think she has conspired with her mom for tips. Like, how do I get money from dad? I mean, she has passed on the secrets or shared it genetically. I'm not sure. But I don't even know if it's really the game. I think what it is is, is the experience. Because what she wants is to get the money to buy these fictional outfits or her character, so she can customize her avatar. And some of you are like, Yeah, this sounds like a good thing. No, it's stupid. <laughs> You're like nodding your head, like, Yeah, I, I, this, is, this is life. No. See, the problem is, some of us do that with God. Here, here's what I mean where instead of, of putting His word into practice, where we're trying to tailor it to our preference, it is very dangerous. It's one thing to customize your avatar, it's another thing to where you're trying to customize Christ. To where you you take a little bit of the Bible, but you leave out the parts that you don't want. The Bible is not a buffet. Where you can just take some of the stuff you want and leave the stuff you don't want because what it looks like is, God, I want the blessing, I don't want the obedience. God, I would like the provision, I'll take the peace, Give me your power. Let's have prayer be optional. I want your help, but let's leave holiness to the side. You you can't just build your custom Bible. And what happens is before we can build like God wants us to build, maybe we need to realize that there is a consumer version of Christianity that needs to be confronted. We're not going to reach the world the way God wants us to reach the world with just a surface level Christianity. A, a, A surface level Christianity where we wonder why we don't have the power of God in our life. Why the word isn't working in our life. Because we have a form of godliness, but not the power. We have a form of godliness, but no foundation. What God is building here in this church, in this region, in this city, in your life, it starts with a simple principle that God's word is truth, that God's word can be trusted, that God's word is a solid foundation in a time where there is a lot of uncertainty in the world you need to know that you've got some truth that you can stand on it is the BIBLE it is still the book for me because if we're going to build like God wants us to build first we have to first get beneath the surface we got to build beneath Build beneath. It's interesting what I noticed in this picture that Jesus gives us. He talks about houses. But I thought it was interesting what he doesn't tell us about the houses. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, he doesn't tell us the square footage of these houses. He, He doesn't tell us about the landscaping doesn't tell us all about the open concept floor plan or the marble countertops, it doesn't have the island or the floor to ceiling windows, it doesn't talk about the master suite or, you know, the, the walk-in closet. It doesn't talk about any of that. Like we don't even hear about shiplap. And you know this is not a fixer-upper by Chip and Joanna. We would have heard about shiplap like 20 times in this verse, but we don't hear any of that. The only thing he tells us about the houses is the foundation. And what I'm trying to help you see is that whether you want to build a big house or a small house, no no matter what your house looks like on the outside or all the accoutrements you want to put on the inside, there is a different detail that determines the stability of our house. And I'm not talking about houses. I'm talking about your heart. And since I didn't see it in Matthew, I thought, well, maybe, you know, the different gospel writers, they use different details. Maybe some of the other gospel writers, they they shared the story differently. Maybe the, the details got left out of this one. So I went to Luke. And Luke gives another version of this. It's, act, it's not the Sermon on the Mount. It's a different sermon. But, you know, when you have a good illustration, you can use it in more than one sermon. So Jesus, he uses this illustration. It's a different, it's a different uh, sermon. But... Same, same teaching. It's in Luke, Luke 6, 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They are like a man building a house. But this man did something different. Luke, look at what Luke says. He said, this man dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. How did he build upon this rock? He had to get down deep beneath the surface. He had to get down and dig until he could find something solid enough to hold the weight. And if we wanna build like God wants us to build, it is gonna require us to get past some surface level issues we we got to get past the place where God has saved our soul, but we have kept our habits. We've got to get past the place where we don't allow the word of God to permeate our mind and begin to change our thinking. We've got to get past the place where our beliefs look more like the culture of the world instead of the kingdom of heaven. We've got to get past that place. And, And here's... What we need to get, grab hold of this, is that before we can elevate, we first have to excavate. We we first have to remove the stuff that is not suitable for construction because there are some beliefs that God cannot build with. There are some habits you've been holding on to that will not help you. There are some relationships that will keep you from rising to the level that God wants to take you. We've we got to excavate some of the stuff in our life. And when I'm talking about the surface level, I am talking about the spirit of our age. What does that mean? It means where the spirit of our age wants morality without God's authority. You can't have morality without God's authority. That's where the the conflicts and the arguments and all the posts that are demanding your attention on social media, where they come from, they are surface-level solutions. And as the age we live in becomes more artificial, the authentic will become more attractive. So, So maybe the question we need to ask ourselves today is, are you grounded? Are you... Are you grounded? We've got to be grounded because before we'll see transformation, we first need to see excavation because he builds beneath. But then I also noticed he doesn't just build beneath. He also builds before he builds before. See, a lot of us don't dig until we first get desperate, but the better thing is to build before. And, I'm excited to show this to you because if you can grab this, this is going to help you so much. He built the house before the rain came. He built the house before the wind blew. That's the time to do it. The time to work is before. And I bring this up because lots of times we think that if we're going to church, we're doing the work. But going to church is not the work. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, I took my middle son, Oliver, to the gym on Friday. He didn't have school on Friday. He's 12 years old. He's been wanting to go to the gym with me. So I I took him to the gym. And uh, Oliver, you know, like we did the stuff, man. Like we put him on the bench press. And he's like, he's doing it with all his might. We got him the dumbbells. I'm showing him all the things to do. We were doing, you know, skull crushers and all of it. And afterwards... He's feeling himself, you know, like he's like, he's like, yeah, I went to the gym. He's kind of looking in the mirror. He's kind of like, you know, like just like, like flexing just a little bit. And he asked me this question. He says, Dad, how long have you been working out? And you got to understand, like my kids, they, they think that one day that they are going to overtake me in strength and size. And I feel it's my responsibility as their father to remind them. I will always be bigger. I will always be stronger. Don't even think about it. So I told them, I said, Oliver, I've been going to the gym for 25 years. You've got no chance of ever catching up with me. Just give up now. Now, part of that's true. I have been going to the gym for a long time. But part of that was literally just going to the gym. (laughs) This is a true story. When Marissa and I first got married, my company that I worked for had an employee benefit. They would pay for your gym membership as long as you worked out, went to the gym so many times a month. And so, you know, when you start out, it's like, man, I'm doing this. This is nothing. Like, we're going to go. We're going to make it happen. We got the gym membership and we're doing it. And then, you know, like life gets a little busy. You're not really feeling it so much. And so I said, I got an idea. Here's what I'll do. Uh, I don't have time to like do a full workout, but I'm going to run, let's be honest, jog to the gym. And I'll I'll check in. So still getting my fitness in, you know, and then I'll I'll jog back. That's going to be my workout. And I did that for a while. But then I just started driving to the gym. (laughs) And I just checked in. And I had no shame. I just walked back. I wasn't even wearing my gym clothes. I was in jeans. I'm here. I was going to the gym. You know why? Because I didn't want to pay. And a lot of us, if we're honest, the reason we go to church is because we know what we're not doing in our life and we don't want to pay. That's our mentality. You're not putting in the work. You're not building anything of substance. If, if you want to build something that's going to last, you got to build before. You got to put it into practice. You got to do the work. And here's how I want you to, to grab hold of this because, like, you guys are the best church. You are so sweet. You are so kind. You are so affirming. And please continue to do this. But I want you to understand many times people will come up to me. After service, and they'd be like, Pastor, thank you for that message. That was just the word I needed. It spoke exactly to what I'm going through. And that's great. And this is what happens when we come to church we open God's word, and God knows exactly what we're going through. And every time we open God's word, He is going to speak to us in our situation. However, God doesn't just want to speak to you about today. He wants to speak to you about tomorrow. And the word that you receive today and respond to today will be your reward for tomorrow. Because if all we do is just get a word when we're in a crisis, we're missing out on what God really wants to do. Tomorrow's reward is built by today's response. And I know the practice isn't always as rewarding as the game. I get that. We don't like the practice. We like to be in the game. But sometimes you've got to start the mission before you're in the mood. All the married couples are writing that down. Start the mission before you're in the mood. Because there are some things that you are still responsible for. You are still responsible for your foundation. I don't know if you noticed this, but the one who heard the words and put them into practice went through the same storm as the one who didn't. Did you see that? Hearing the words put into practice didn't prevent the storm. And many times, sometimes we have this false idea that if we come to church and we, you know, do the right things, it's gonna prevent problems in our life. Following Jesus does not prevent problems in your life. If you've been told that, you've been told wrong. Now, following Jesus will make your life better, 100% make your life better. There is fruit that comes from obedience. But this guy heard the word, put into practice, had the very same storm as the guy who did it. Really, it's just a question of do you want to go through the storm with God or without God? So we've got to build beneath, we've got to build before, but there's another one we also have to build beyond. We've got to build beyond. One thing I want to do in this series, and we're, we're going to do over the next several weeks, is build your faith for what's possible. Because some of us are limiting God what he wants to do in us, what he wants to do through us, what he wants to do for us by some wrong beliefs that we're holding on to. And I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, you got to know your limits. You ever heard that, said that to somebody before, you got to know your limits. It's this idea that, you know, we can't do everything. So you got to know what you can do and know what you can't do. Know what God has called you to and know what God hasn't called you to. And on, on the surface, that's pretty good advice. Like God hasn't called us to do everything. You got to know the gifts that He's given you and what he hasn't gifted you for. And I might have some gifts that you don't have and you might have some gifts that I don't have. We've all got different gifts. That's why God calls us together because we can accomplish a lot when we, we come together. But many of us are limiting God Because we wrongly believe that if we don't have it now, we won't have it ever. You know what I noticed in this story? This guy did not start with a house. He had to build it. And what I'm trying to help you with is you need to begin to look beyond your current capacity so you can build beyond your current condition. Just like your faith has to be tested, your capacity must be challenged. I don't know why I'm giving you so many physical illustrations today, but I've got another one for you. I, if, you if you've come to church, you know I don't like to run. I, I don't like it. It's not my thing. I would rather do anything but run. But I also have this belief system that if there's something I don't like to do, it's probably an indicator that I need to do it. Like, I don't like to eat healthy, I probably need to eat healthy. I don't want to, you know, clean the garage, I probably need to clean the garage. It's good to challenge yourself. So I wanted to take this approach with, with running. I don't like running, but I set a goal. I wanted to run a mile in under seven minutes. I know for some of you, you can wake up without training. You can do that in your sleep. That is so easy. Understand, when I run, I convince myself I have asthma. So this is a big deal for me. But a couple of years ago, I started, started, I want to run a mile under seven minutes. And I started to get the baseline, get the benchmark. It took me just under ten minutes to get a mile. And uh, every time I would go, I would just keep, you know, a little bit more, just Begin to push past my capacity just a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. I got to the place where six minutes and 59.99 seconds and I was done. That was good. I I did it. Challenge completed. But what I'm trying to help you with is that we'll never really know what we're capable of if we never move beyond what we're comfortable with. A lot of us have convinced ourselves of something that we can't do, that really we just won't do. won't do. Like, I know I was talking about running, but let's make this practical for you. Let's talk about the area of trusting God in your finances. And there's lots of ways we can trust God in our finances. Could begin like just in our mind with worry. Are we worrying all the time or are we at peace? That's one way we can trust God. It could be in the strategies that we look at. Are we, are we trusting, looking to God as our provider? Are we just trying to work and strategize and produce and it's all our effort? That's, a, that's another way. But I want to talk practically about trusting God with the tithe, the first and the best. Something we teach here, first and best is that 10%. And, and there's people here that say, man, I could never do that. I don't have that capacity. It is beyond my ability to trust God with the first 10%. And because you think it's something you can't do, you've decided it's something that you won't do. What if you would just begin to challenge that a little bit? Maybe you can't do 10 yet, but you would take a step. God, I'm going to trust you with the first and my best. I'm going to start at 1%. I'm going to start at 2%. I'm going to continually... Challenge that so I can grow. I'm trying to help, and that's just one area, but I'm trying to help you see that there is something in you that you've convinced yourself is beyond you. And we need to look beyond our comfort so we can build beyond our current conditions. Because where you're at is not all there is, and what you think is not all there is. I mentioned our theme verse at the beginning for this season, Ephesians 3, 21 says unto Jesus, unto him be glory in the church forever and ever, ever unto Jesus. But you know the verse right before that, let me read it to you, it's Ephesians 3:20 it says, now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You'll never know what's possible if you don't begin to build beyond your present. You'll never know what you can do if you don't begin to start with where you're at. And there is something that God can't do. God can't increase your capacity and still leave you in your comfort. No, for you to grow, you've got to begin to build. You got to build beneath. You got to have something solid. You got to get past the surface issues, stand on God's word put it into practice. You have got to build before. You can't wait for the storm to come. You can't wait for what tomorrow has in store. You can't wait for crisis to happen. You have got to build before, and you have got to build beyond. Beyond your current circumstance, beyond your current situation, beyond what right now looks like, beyond yourself and start thinking for others because there are people in your life that God has called you to reach. There are people in our city that you know who need the help of Jesus. There are broken families that need to be healed and need to be made whole. There are people whose life is chaotic and they need the peace that Jesus brings. There are people who are lonely that need the comfort of community found in Jesus. we got to build beyond ourselves. And we got to build right now.